All right, so I have a question to start with this morning. It's in your notes. If you could build a church, what would you desire for it to be like? Now, I'm not asking about uh, location or facilities. I'm sure all of us have some wants there. If I could go back about 35 years in a time machine, I would ask the founders of Agape a few things. Are you sure that you have really thought this bathroom placement thing out? I think you may have rushed that a bit, and I don't think it was because you were really thinking deeply about your carpet color choice. But when I ask if you could build a church, what would it be like? I am talking about what would the character of the church be? I'm asking you what would the behavior of the church be? How would you desire that the church approach loving God? How would you desire that the church would interact with its community? How would you want your leaders to be? How would you want the church to do mission outside and form ministry inside? How would you want your church to treat visitors? How would you want your church to treat one another? I want you to think that way. Not because I want you to go somewhere else. Not because I want you to go start your own church apart from God's direction to do that. I want you to think that way because every believer is to be building the church. There is no picture in the New Testament of a biblical Christian life that is disengaged from a local community of believers. None. I often think about the Bible in terms of its plain reading, that if you had grown up on this deserted island and you had no experience with church, no experience with Christianity, and you found a copy of the Bible and you read it, what would you walk away with? And I think one of the things that you would walk away with is you would say, oh, okay, well, as a Christian, what is obvious here is that I am supposed to live within a group of other Christians. It's called a church. And it would be plain to you, I, I, I think, that it is not a loosely connected community. That it is a strong, close, familiar attachment that Christians are supposed to have with one another. I think you would walk away with the idea that we're supposed to worship together. But also that we're supposed to support one another. I think you would see a lot about unity and no divisions and oneness. I think you would see that to the point that if someone in the church had a need, other people in the church would sell their own stuff in order to meet that need. I think you would see a group of people that are supposed to forgive one another when they offend one another. And I think you would see this group of people partnering together for this really big goal of reaching other people to add them to the church that they might know and learn about God. If I could convince you of this, I would. That you are called to be part of the church 
and you are called to help other people connect to the church in the strongest sense possible. I think you are called to be part of the church and you are called to help other people connect to the church in a sense that is going to stretch you beyond your personality. Beyond what it feels like your season of life will allow. Beyond what you may want to do. Beyond what your experiences in church want you or allow you to want to do. But I think if you read the Bible with integrity, you can't get away from the plain reading of Scripture. You are commanded by God to be invested in His kingdom and seek to expand His kingdom. And the primary way, the primary context that you are supposed to walk out those commands is a local church. There are many, many, many different ways that you can invest in God's kingdom and and expand it. And there are many different wonderful Christian organizations that seek to do those things. But the plain reading of the Bible is the primary way you expand the kingdom and invest in the kingdom and live in the kingdom is a local church. I don't think you can get away from that if you read the Bible. So let's do this life truth in your notes. As a Christian, I am intentionally crafted and placed by God in a local church to grow and to build. As a Christian, I am intentionally crafted and placed by God in a local church to grow and to build. Let me start with this idea that we are placed inside of a local church to grow. Placed by who? Placed by God. By Jesus, who is the head of the church. And just so we are really clear on this, as we talk today about building the church, remember the foundation is it is always Christ who's building His church. He builds His church by His Spirit through His people. But we have a role in building the church. And and God places us in churches in part to grow. Our sermon text starts this morning, Ephesians 4, with Paul saying that God has chosen that there would be certain distinct offices in the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I want to say, there is no mention in the New Testament of a church that doesn't have some of these offices. My, my My biggest issue with those who do home church, I'm not against that. Meeting in a home is, is just as biblical as meeting in a building. Most of the time, though, people who meet in home churches, they don't have pastors. They don't have leadership. A lot of times they went into home churches because they don't want those things. And this really is not even in my notes and has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I just felt led to say it. There's no picture of a church in the New Testament that doesn't have offices. These offices, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they are, look at verse 12, they are to equip or build or fit out the people of God to do works of ministry. What are works of ministry? They are actions related to a commission in the service of the gospel. I am not supposed to do everything. 
My role is to equip the church to do works of ministry. You don't pay leaders or pastors to do the works of ministry. You support them as they equip you to do works of ministry. Hebrews says church leaders are watching over souls, and one day they will have to give an account for that work. And Hebrews says that the people that they oversee should listen to them as they teach the Word and shepherd them. And I think all of this points to belonging to a local church. Because when I meet Jesus, whose souls are am I going to be held accountable for? I don't think it's every Christian in my town. I think it's the souls of the people that God put into the church He assigned me to. And when the Bible says, submit to your leaders as they teach you the Word of God, which leaders do you submit to? You're not called to submit to every pastor and teacher in your town. But to the ones over the church that God has assigned you to. I think that's the best biblical picture of this. But what I want you to know in what Paul is saying is that even as he talks about these offices, there are no special Christians that are excluded from the need to grow in the church. Even the apostles were still growing. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes to the church there and he says, I want you to know something. I've not obtained maturity. And what I'm doing is I'm making every effort to keep going and to keep growing and to keep striving for maturity. And then he says, if you are mature, think like I do. In other words, he says, if you're mature, know you're not really mature. Paul told the church in Rome, if you read our prayer text last night, if you did, or yesterday, if you did the, that prayer passage for the 21 days of prayer, Paul said to the church in Rome, I want to visit you so I can impart a spiritual gift. And it, I don't, I mean, it just stood out to me as I was reading it. He then goes on to say, I want to do that so that you can in turn strengthen me. Paul says, I want to come to you. I want to visit you. I want to strengthen you with spiritual gifts so that you can in turn strengthen me with those gifts. Paul led the church, but he gave himself to local churches so that he himself could grow. He was in Ephesus for at least two years. And pastors. Paul told the pastors in Ephesus, the elders there, watch over one another spiritually because they too are still growing and they too can be tempted to sin. And again, in the context of a local church, how do you do this? Which pastors watch over which pastors? I don't think, apart from a specific calling of God that I am supposed to watch over all the other pastors in this town. Or they're supposed to watch over me. I think that's why local churches are supposed to have multiple pastors and elders who watch over each other within the context of that church. Where those pastors may have differing roles, but they have the same authority to help each other grow. So all of this we see, these offices, the point is to build up, to build the body of Christ. 
And how do we know when we're built? How do you know when it's done? Look at verse 13. We do this until we all reach unity in the faith, unity in the knowledge of God's Son, and we grow into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. So we all need to grow until we have reached the fullness of unity. Do we have complete unity in how we think here? No? So we've got to keep going. Do we all have complete knowledge of Jesus? No? So we've got to keep going. Do we all have the fullness of Christ? Do we all fully act like Jesus and fully display the character of Jesus? No. So we've got to keep going. And spoiler alert, that actually doesn't happen until we see Christ. Which means we keep growing our whole lives. Our whole lives in Christ. We grow until we see the fullness of Christ in this church. So, if we have to keep growing until we see the fullness of Christ in us, and if participating in a local church structure is a primary means by which God's Spirit uses us to that growth, to grow us in that fullness, if those things are true biblically, and I believe they are, then no matter who you are, no matter how long you have been a Christian, your growth, your maturity in Christ will be stunted if you are not positioned in a local. And how loosely you're connected to that church or how tightly you're connected to that church will determine the rate of your growth. You will grow and mature at the rate you are connected to other believers in a church. So, as a Christian, I am intentionally placed by God in a local church to grow. That's the first part of that life truth. Now let's go back and look at the rest of it. Because we are not just consumers, we're not just receivers. We are also to build the church. I am intentionally crafted and placed by God in a local church to grow and to build. To build the church. Each of us are intentionally crafted. Each of us are intentionally placed by God to help build the church, specifically the church you're placed in. Notice in verse 16, Paul has now transitioned from talking about offices and leaders, and now he's talking about the entire church. And notice he uses two specific terms. He says the whole body, all of us, the whole church, God has fitted and knitted us together. What does that mean? The word fitted, it means shaped to fill a space exactly. If you get fitted for a suit or clothes, that means they're tailored for your needs. God knows the holes in a church and He shapes and fits people to fill those holes. And then He knits us together. The word knit there means to interlock different strands of fabrics or fabric to make something much bigger and useful. You don't cover up 
you're cold, you don't go and find some fabric strands and try to put them all over you. You want a blanket, right? You want a blanket. That wasn't in my notes either because that sounds kind of stupid as I say it. But anyway, you knit them all together to make something useful. So God knows what every local church needs to do His purposes in their context. He knows that. He knows it far better than we do. And so He shapes us to fill a space exactly. I hope... I hope that you think I'm a good pastor. Not in a sense of... um, wanting to be made much of, but I, I just hope you think I am a beneficial pastor. Here's the reality. I wouldn't be a beneficial pastor at just any church. I couldn't just go to any church and fit in and be a good pastor. In this season of my life, and, and I don't know, maybe for my entire life, I have been knitted, I have been fitted to go here. To be a good pastor here. And that's not just me, that is for all of you. He shapes us to fill a space exactly, and He interlocks us all together with one another in that space. You, by God's design, can grow here in a way you could not grow at another church. Not because we're better, but because God has designed for you to be interlocked here with these people. We struggle with each other sometimes. And sometimes those struggles are by design because God intends for us to struggle with one another so we can grow with one another. Look at the rest of the verse. From Him, the whole body is fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament. So He's picturing all of us as parts of the body. And then look at this. The whole body promotes the growth of the body, skip over, by the proper working of each individual part. The whole body promotes the growth of the body, being built up in love for each other and for God, How do we promote the growth of the body? By the proper working of each individual part. Not by the proper working of the pastor. Not by the proper working of a few handful of people. By the proper working of every individual part that God has fitted and knitted into that church. So, based on that, it is my view, you are not here randomly. You are not here accidentally. I understand you can look at it and you say, well, here's how I ended up here. It was this, this, and this. That's great. My answer is God did those things that seemed normative to you at the time to put you where He wanted you to be. You're not here accidentally. You are custom made for the needs of this place that God has sent you in the season that He has sent you. You promote the health of the church. You build the church only when you participate and serve as God has fitted you to do. There are zero exceptions. None. 
I, I don't care what comes in your mind. I mean, I do, but I, I don't care what the buts are. But this or that, I know, I've heard, but this season of life, right now what's going on, and, and this and that. No, it's like there's just no exceptions. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. I'm not saying it's going to look the same for everybody, but there are no exceptions to this in Scripture. We've been fitted together and knitted together for the health of this church. There are no Christians who are not a functional part of a growing body. It is simply a question of how well you're functioning in that body. The health of Agape Church is dependent on each person at Agape properly working to build the body. I don't deny that I have a lot and the other pastors have a lot to do with the health of the church. But at the end of the day, the reality is the health of the church is dependent upon every part of the church operating as God has designed. I want you to ask yourself, if I could build a church, what would I desire for it to be like? Because I want you to build that church here. I want you to build the church here. And I think that's the proper end of this series called House of Prayer. Because when we talk about wanting to be a house of prayer in Pinson, in Pinson, that is something that we build together. A handful of people can't do this. We all have to participate. How do we participate? Let's keep going in the notes. First, yes, we build the church by prayer. You and I build the church for the glory of Christ. God has designed these local iterations of the church to represent the universal church. We build the church by prayer, asking God to work in you and work in your church the fullness of Christ. Build the church by prayer. In Jude Verse 20, Jude writes that the church shouldn't be like the world. He says, don't grumble against each other. Don't complain and criticize. Don't live by your wants, creating division. The people of God who have the Spirit of God should build the church praying in the Holy Spirit. That's what Jude says. We build by prayer. And I specifically think that we build by asking for the fullness of Christ in our midst. Lamar, asked, Lamar said something at the beginning there about if you become discontented with your church, if you're not happy with your church. Listen, if you stay in a place long enough, it, that's going to happen. What do you do with that? Lamar said, well, God's not baking a cake. Give him time. God's building something, and He's building it in you. What do you do when you're discontented? What do you do when you see needs in your church? Jude says, pray in the Holy Spirit. I love this quote from Hudson Taylor. Learn to move man by God through prayer. Don't try to move man simply by your emotions and your anger and your actions and how you interact with people. Start by learning to move man by God 
in prayer. Is it not true that every deficiency in our church is somehow related to not being fully like Christ? I mean every deficiency that can. There's a church in town, I think I've said this before, that like you go, I've seen this, you go into their children's department and then there's a slide, at least there used to be, that takes you down to the rest of their children's area. That's cool. Like, if I was a kid, i go, yeah, I love that. Maybe not during COVID, but, you know, back before germs and stuff that we were worried about, like, that'd be really cool. That's not biblical. Nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying, like, that's not the kind of desires we're talking about here. Is it not true that every deficiency, biblical deficiency, desire that we could have for this church that isn't here, isn't because isn't it because we're we're not fully like Christ? Is it not true that every desire for our church should be related to that, having the fullness of Jesus? If we really want something for our church, the first thing we should run it through is is this biblical? Is this what God wants for us? Is it not true that when you see biblical deficiencies that complaining and grumbling about one another and disconnecting from the church doesn't actually do anything. Isn't it true that it doesn't help anything, that it doesn't change anything except us? Should we not build agape by expectantly and earnestly asking and seeking and knocking for everyone here, including ourselves, to have the fullness of Christ? And to keep asking and keep knocking and keep seeking until God answers. Should we not ask for people to have more obedience to God's Word like Jesus? He obeyed His Father. To love each other like Christ has loved us. To have compassion for the lost like Jesus did. To build the church by regularly asking God for the power of the Spirit of Christ to be active in our lives. I challenge you, I encourage you, the moment something wells up in you where you see there's a deficiency at agape, run to God. Ask Him. Seek that He would change it, that He would mold it, that He would shape it. I'm not saying there's not times to have conversations and actions. I'm not. But the first action is prayer. We build the church by prayer. Secondly, We build the church by praying for spiritual gifts. And then we give ourselves to serving with our gifts. We build the church by praying for spiritual gifts, and then we give ourselves to serving with our gifts. I want you to remember in that in the sermon in this series, I think it was the one about earnestly asking. In that sermon on earnestly asking, we talked about how Jesus said, God knows how to give good gifts to His children. And then He goes on to say He will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. What does that mean? What does it mean God gives good gifts to His children? He'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. If you are saved, don't you have the Spirit? Yes. You cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit working in you. The Holy Spirit is with anyone who is saved. So what does it mean to ask for the Holy Spirit as a Christian? 
Because I think what you eventually see in the New Testament church is that the church is filled with the Spirit for life and ministry in His power and in His giftings. So I think when the Bible says, ask for the Holy Spirit, He means ask for the life and the power and the gifts of the Spirit. When you get to 1 Corinthians 12, what you learn is that the Spirit of God grants every believer different kinds of spiritual enablements called a gift. Let me say it again. According to the Bible, if you are saved, God gives you a manifestation of the power of His Spirit. It is a power, a divine enablement that you would not have, that would not be fruitful if God did not grant it to you. You might be talented in ways if you were not a believer, but you would not be gifted to bring fruitfulness in other people's lives and build them up without being a Christian. And God gives you every person, at least one, and I think probably multiple and maybe different ones for different seasons, potentially, manifestations of His power called gifts. Again, whatever arguments come in your mind about that, shut them down. Because there are no exceptions. There are believers who don't know what their gifts are. There are believers who are not operating in their gifts. But according to the Bible, there is not a Christian that has ever lived that did not have a divine manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of building the church. Paul goes on to say, then in 1 Corinthians 14.1, church earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Do you earnestly desire spiritual gifts? Especially prophets. The Bible says to do so. 1 Corinthians 14.12, he goes on to say, take your gifts and strive to use them to build the church. Take your gifts that God has given you and strive to build the church. Peter says something similar, 1 Peter 4.10. Use your gift to serve one another, being a good steward of the grace of God that has been assigned to you. God has assigned a specific grace to you that is to be used for other believers to build them up. Peter says, use that. Paul says to the Corinthians, strive to build up the church using your gift. So, Follow this that we're talking about. God intends the church to be built. It's growing. It's being built. It is being built by the proper working of every individual part. Every single part of the body, every person in the church should operate in the way that God has designed for them to to build up the church. He's so serious about this. So serious about this that He has purposed that every believer has a divine gift, at least one, a skill from the Holy Spirit that God gives you to build His church. He knows what the church needs and He has assigned you that gift. And those gifts are working 
excuse me, those gifts are God working through you. I heard someone teach that this week. They said it was very important. It struck me as very important, so I want to say the same thing. Spiritual gifts are not ultimately you working. Spiritual gifts are ultimately God working through you. I'm a pastor, and this church is a church that believes that those gifts are continuing, all of them that we see in the Bible. People, if a believer doesn't have that mindset, doesn't mean they're not a brother or a sister, doesn't mean they're not loved, doesn't mean they would not be welcome here. I'm just telling you that I see nothing in the Bible that convinces me that God got to a point in time and said, okay, now these gifts I'm going to do away with. I mean, it's not there. The plain reading of the Bible is earnestly desired, like prophecy. Why are some of the gifts odd? I don't know. But it's God working through us. And if you read the Bible, He sometimes did odd things. He wanted to get someone's attention one time. He got their donkey to talk to him. Like, he did weird stuff. One day we'll see Christ. We can ask him, maybe. But for now, we obey. We're told to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, pray for those gifts. So when I talk about building the church by spiritual gifts... Praying for them. I mean, first of all, pray for your own gifts. To know what your gifts are and to use them. Also pray for every person in the church to know their gift. The health of this church is dependent not just on you using your gift, but everybody using their gifts. If you don't yet know what your gift is, there's an exciting journey ahead of exploring that. And you do so in community. Pray that the whole church will use those gifts to serve. Let me say something to you that I don't think will offend you, but I think, at least for a few people, it might stir you to go, wait a minute, is that, is that, really, is that really true? If I told you God instructs spouses to be faithful to one another, and if a spouse was not faithful then they were breaking God's command and that was a sin. I think you would agree with me. If God has told us earnestly desire spiritual gifts, and if He has told us to take the gift that He gave us and use it to build the church, if we intentionally fail to do that, is that not sin? Are we not disobeying what God has said to do? It's not my intention to guilt anyone. That's a horrible motivator. And I know that how we use our gifts often changes with age and time and seasons and, and, and things of that nature. And God gives grace there. And sometimes you don't yet know what your gift is. And God gives grace there. But I'm talking about when you intentionally don't desire gifts, when you intentionally don't ask for them, when you intentionally don't seek out what God has given you to serve the church, when you intentionally don't do that, 
do we not sometimes just say, well, that's kind of an option. But is it? Is it not an instruction? I don't want to guilt us. I do want to stir us out of complacency because here's the reality. Sometimes we use our personality. We use our busyness. We use our experiences to excuse us from the things God has told us to do. Sometimes we schedule our life so we are so busy, the last thing we have time to do is serve the church with our gifts. I don't think I'm being a good pastor if I don't say that. It's not guilt, I promise you. You're not going to get more godly by feeling bad. But we have to be stirred by God's Word. If you don't agree with me, if you don't, listen, here's what I want you to do. It's in your notes. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Homework. But don't call it that because nobody likes homework. But here's what I'd love for you to do. This week, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. All right, this is in your, in your notes. Write down at least five things that you see that stand out. I would love for you to then email or text me what those things were. But I want you to take what I'm saying and I want you to read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and I want you to weigh what I'm saying by God's Word and then pray that. God is sovereign. Yes, God is sovereign. But just like there are certain things that in His sovereignty we will not have if we do not ask, I think there are certain things that this church will not have unless you serve with your gift. I think there are certain people that will not be here and there are certain ways that we will not grow unless you serve with your gift that He has placed you here to use. The Spirit that hovered over the formless earth in Genesis 1 the Spirit that empowered Moses to part the Red Sea, the Spirit that rose Christ, raised Christ from the dead, that very same Spirit is in you. The very same one. He is in you to empower you supernaturally for the work of building the church in the years that He gave you, in the church that He placed you. And when your life is over, you don't get another chance to do it. When you meet Jesus face to face, your opportunity to build the church is done. That's when we give an account. Our chance to steward the Spirit of God and the grace of God and the gifts of God that we have been given is right now. Right now. We need to make room for this in our lives. We are to build the church by prayer. We are to build the church by earnestly desiring and using our spiritual gifts and the help of agape is dependent on those things. So I want to ask you to pray for godly desires for this church. Get a prayer journal. Get a notebook. You don't have to buy real expensive. Write down your godly desires for your church. Some of you are smiling. You have to buy the expensive ones. All right, whatever. 
You buy the expensive ones and then you don't, you're afraid to write in them because they're expensive. Get a notebook. Write down the desires that you have for agape, the biblical desire, and pray. Pray for the fullness of Christ. Ask and seek and knock and expect God to answer. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for your gifts. Ask for other people's gifts to fill this church and to build in us the fullness of Jesus. And be ready for Him to answer. I think He will. I know He will. He told us He will. It may stretch us when He answers. Pray to be ready for that. That's how we grow. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. I know we had prayer time earlier. I want us to pray again. This is the last sermon in the House of Prayer series. We're wrapping it up today. We've got seven more days of praying together and fasting for the church. Pray you do those well these last seven days. I want you to take everything we've learned the last few weeks and earnestly ask for agape. And this morning, I want us to ask for spiritual gifts. We have some prayer partners that will be over here to my left. This morning, you want to pray that God would reveal to you your gift. That God would help you to walk in it. If you just want to pray for the church to have gifts and you want someone to pray with you in that, prayer partners are here for that reason. Let's ask God for His Spirit. I'm going to go over to my right. If you want to talk about your relationship with Jesus, if you know the issue right now isn't the desiring of gifts, but the issue is walking with Christ, I'd love to talk with you about that, whatever's going on. And I'll, I'll be here. Yeah, it takes a, little, takes a little boldness to walk up. That's okay. It helps us to grow. I want us to be a house of prayer. I want what we did today in asking God for healing and power and help and salvations to be part of our culture. And I want us asking for the fullness of the Spirit of God and His gifts to be part of our culture too. Ask Him for gifts. That's what I'm encouraging you to do right now as we worship. Have someone pray with you and come pray by yourself and pray where you are. But when you ask Him for gifts to fill this church, we're not asking for gifts to experience gifts. We're asking for the power of the Spirit and His gifts that the church might be built and that we might experience God. Father, I ask, please, that You would increase our faith. God, that there is no one in this room who would be burdened in guilt by what I have said today. But I do pray by the power of the Spirit You would stir us out of our complacency. God, that there is nothing, nothing, that is worldly, that would be more attractive to us than to have the opportunity to build the church of the living God for the name of His Son by service with prayer and gifts. God, You've you've given all of us responsibilities. We have things in this life that we are to do, that we must But God, increase our faith, increase our trust, increase our desire 
to serve you and to know that you have you will not call us to something that we can't accomplish. We don't have to wait, God, for a particular season. You have called us to serve. There is a way for us to do that right now in this season we're in. God, no one here is going to have any kind of lasting stirring based on what I say. I'm asking your spirit, God, please, to cause us to hear, to learn, and to be cut to our hearts. God, please increase our faith to come and pray, believing that you will answer us. God, will you please fill this church with people, God, who operate serving, participating as you have designed them to do. Will you please fill this church with spiritual gifts? God, would you even today give us a taste of the experience of those gifts as we seek you for them? And God, would you save anyone in this room who doesn't know Christ? Or would you set them free from sin? Or would you call the lost back from their wandering to revival? Would you please, God, do that now? Increase our faith, God. Increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.